when people are saying we're going to the moon and to Mars, they use the term colonization, and for me it's a bad sign, because we know what colonization has done on Earth. From New York to San Francisco, Houston to Chicago, the residents of Villa Albertine have traversed the United States. Here, they look back on their journeys into the arts and ideas. Their visits were supported by Villa Albertine, which has connected French talents and the American cultural scene since 2021. Come and join me as we meet some of the artists and thinkers shaping the culture of tomorrow. I'm Rachel Donadio, and you're listening to Coast to Coast, a podcast series produced by Villa Albertine and Paradiso Media. Our guest today is Fatoumata Kebe. Fatoumata Kebe is an astrophysicist, a professor at the Sorbonne, and an expert on space junk, pollution left by satellites. She is also the author of the book La Lune est un roman, The Moon is a Novel. As a resident of Villa Albertine, she visited Houston and the Lunar Planetary Institute, as well as the Lyndon B. Johnson Space Center, where NASA trains astronauts. Fatoumata, it's really excellent to speak to you today. I'm just curious to hear about your time in the United States. The moon has always intrigued you as an astrophysicist, as a thinker, as a scientist. Why the moon? In the city where I live, there are a lot of lights, and so we cannot see the Milky Way, but we can see the moon. You mentioned the city that you grew up in. You grew up in Noisy-le-Sec in Saint-Saint-Denis, outside of Paris. Exactly. As a girl, how did you become interested in astronomy and in astrophysics? Well, it started with a book. And in that book, you had some chapters about the astronomy, and you had some beautiful pictures of, of the sky, of the Milky Way, of some planets. And just with these pictures, I was like, one day I will work with this beautiful celestial object. Is that a goal of yours? Would you like to go into space? It is, yeah. yeah. I hope one day I will succeed and make it. I'm just imagining you as a girl in Oisille-le-Sec reading your family's astronomy encyclopedia. <laughs> when you were a girl, did you ever imagine you would go to Houston? Never. Sincerely, um, even the first time I went to the U.S., I was like amazed, like, wow, I made it. So that's why I'm like, I'm like, okay, in the future, I may go to space. First the U.S., now space. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I went to Houston. <laughs> So, I mean, now I just need NASA to open the doors to me, <laughs> to train with astronauts. So, yeah, let's see. Great. Go for it. You're an expert in space junk and space pollution. What is exactly space junk? We have many types of space debris. And all of them can collide with some other space objects. And one collision will lead to creation of new space debris. And this new space debris can then collide with other space objects. And on the other side, this space debris, when they come back on Earth, for some of them, uh, they can land on Earth. And also, uh, the thing is that the space objects are made with materials that can interact with the ozone layer. So it has only also an impact on our atmosphere. So my goal is to define the best mathematical models to calculate the risk of collisions. But today we have much more space actors, we have much more countries that have a space activity. So it's kind of crowded out there. You mentioned how the Cold War, the Soviet Union sent Sputnik into outer space. 
the Kennedy administration starts the Apollo space program as a response. Today, there isn't exactly the Cold War, but there is a lot of geopolitical competition for space. Exactly. It's, uh, as you said, in fact, it's not a Cold War, but it's a kind of war. Space, again, is the field where things are happening. My personal point of view is that for the satellites, I think that we should let some space for other countries that do not have for now a space activity. Because if I'm not wrong, almost 45% of the satellites on, in the low Earth orbit are SpaceX satellites. So Kenya is going to have its first satellite in April 2023. But we need to give some space again to these countries. And on the other side, so for the Moon and Mars, when people are saying we're going to the Moon and to Mars, they use the term colonization, and for me it's a bad sign, because we know what colonization has done on Earth. So it means that we're going to replicate what we have done on Earth, on other planets. There's a lot of kind of pollution on Earth, and we have also pollution in space. So for sure we're going to do the same things we do here. And that's something that is problematic, and you would argue there should be a different and better approach. A better approach and also more diverse voices. I'm curious to ask you more about your visit to Texas, to Houston. You went to the Lunar Planetary Institute. What is that exactly, and what did you learn there? The Apollo program was launched during the Cold War to send humans on the moon and to bring back them safely. I was going to do some science on the moon. And this is how the, the Lunar Planetary Institute was founded. Its primary mission was to be that scientific entity that will take in charge all of the scientific aspects of the mission, the collection of the moon rocks, for example. The moon rocks brought back by the Apollo mission, what, what interests you about those? What can we learn from those moon rocks? Thanks to these moon rocks, we could frame how the moon was formed because we had many uh, theories but we didn't know which one was the good one the main lines of how the moon was formed and this theory was released back in 1984 so it's not that old and because we could study the moon rocks that helped the scientists to know which theories were wrong which one was maybe right and which would modify in what we thought about the moon I didn't realize that it was only in 1984 that we really understood how the moon was formed. Exactly. And even today, we still have many questions because there are things that do not work with what we think. So that's why I hope that with the Artemis uh, program, we'll get much more data about the moon. You've also written a book about the moon called La Lune est un roman, which I guess we could translate as the moon is a novel or it tells a story. What were the questions you wanted to ask in that book? I wanted to introduce to the general public many things about the moon because I was like, okay, I think that there are not that much people that have access to a starry sky that can have a look at the Milky Way. But for the moon, I think it's common because I've seen that, unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of conspiracy theories around the moon. And that's why I wanted also to give that knowledge to, to people like trust scientists what kind of conspiracy theories are you most worried about? We never went to the moon. I think it's the most common one I get. 
So people say to you, oh, yeah, I don't really believe that we ever went to the moon. Yeah, you know, they say that Stanley Kubrick, uh, who, <laughs> who made a movie in the desert, uh, I don't know if Utah or some other U.S. state. And yeah, and but all of that um, is fake. I think fake news and manipulation of digital images, that will pose a, a serious threat to real science. So science fiction is in some ways an enemy of science, or it allows people to have misunderstandings about science. Yeah, my issue with science fiction and even movies, it's sometimes, I understand that it's for the movie, the plot, they do some things. But the thing is that at the end, people think that what they have seen on the movie is real. Many people are against space debris, like I am, but at the same time, I am pro-space activities, while some people are like, we have to stop to launch satellites. But I'm like, we cannot because we rely a lot on them. And nowadays, we cannot survive without space activities. I mean, even the satellites were used to track the spread of Ebola on the African continent. It can help to have access to um, doctors from remote areas. We can track the evolution of the soil. I mean, there are so many things that we can do. What was it like to speak to experts at the Lyndon B. Johnson Space Center? Was it something that you had always hoped to do when you were growing up and reading about that center? I did not think that one day I will go to the USA, first of all. And I didn't even know that one day I will be in Houston. For me, it was like, you know, it's the place of the astronauts. And I'm like, wow, I'm there. So <laughs> everything was a surprise there. And did you have an opportunity to ask some of the questions you wanted to ask of the experts there? I spoke with uh, Christine Schlupa from the Lunar Planetary Institute. She's like the head of the outreach uh, department there. And because I wanted to know what were her techniques uh, to teach about the moon and even astronomy in general to the general public. And also uh, with um, Ryan Ziegler uh, from uh, NASA. So he's in, in charge of the moon rocks. And I wanted to know how he's working with uh, with these rocks. Because, I mean, the last time we went to the moon was in 1972. In total, the astronauts have brought back less than 400 kilograms. So it's not that much. And it's so precious. So I wanted to know how he's dealing with that. The United States seems to be perhaps in the primary place where this is happening. But where do you see the European Space Institute fitting in? Is it catching up? Is it also doing important work? Uh, it is doing a lot for the European Space Agency. It's true to say that about the moon, the USA and China and India are doing a lot. And because when I spoke with uh, Ryan Ziegler, it's because, in fact, the moon was a target because of the Cold War. We didn't have this first wish to discover the moon. No, it was to conquer, you see. So the competition of the Cold War meant, okay, it's a race for who gets to study the moon first, and now it's a different political context, and there was more exploration of Mars recently. I would say, who's going to be the first to step on the moon and do some scientific things? <laughs> and that's it. While for Mars, it was another thing. It was mainly scientific at first. Because the question is, who's going back on the moon? I mean, who's going to be the first to go back on the moon? Who do you think it will be? I don't know, because space is complicated. I mean, even if today we have rockets, 
we still have failures. It's still so complicated to send humans in space. There are so many things we don't know yet. We don't have many information about that, but China has its own space station. And maybe they're working on sending the first woman on the moon. We don't know. Because SpaceX is the first company to be able to build its own satellite, own rocket, and launch its rockets. SpaceX can do a lot of things, I mean, within the U.S. laws, rules. But it's the U.S. rules, not the international rules. The money you can raise in the USA as a startup, you cannot raise that amount of money in Europe. But the thing is that it, since it's a shared space, we should all discuss together. Is there anything else that you think it's important for people to know about your trip to the United States, your visit to Houston and the work that you're doing? I went to some places where the uh, Apollo 11 team went to train because they had to be trained to pick wisely the moonwalks once on the moon. Yeah, So they went close to Marfa, which is where I went then uh, during my Villa Albertine. And Marfa is also a place where we can you can see a lot of stars. And it's close to uh, an astronomical observatory where the sky is just beautiful. I also worked on the notion of the starry sky because it's disappearing with time, unfortunately. I mean, how do we protect the sky? What things are impacting disappearance of the sky? Do you remember the first time that you had a very good view of the night sky without light pollution? <laughs> when I was in, in Texas. In Texas. <laughs> yes. Because I, well, I went also to the Big Bend National Park, and the sky is just beautiful there. I hope you take that memory with you. Yeah, I did. Because when I was in Marfa, like two hours drive from Marfa, you have um, the city Van Horn. And this is where Blue Origin is doing its uh, launch, you know, of the, um, of the space tourist. Apparently is expensive. So I've heard many amounts, but I have nothing official, but it's more than $1 million. And when I was in Marfa, because of the pandemic, for me it was so sad to see this gap. Because I was asked, how can you be a space enthusiast when there are some people that cannot eat? And it was like, yeah, it's a question that we should ask to ourselves. And that's why I was like, outreach is so important. We had to let people know why we go to space. What's the benefit in going to space? And how space can help to resolve some issues we have on Earth? Because I have my private company here in France, but uh, we operate in Africa, where we use the um, data from European satellites named Copernicus. And like this, you can do water management. And we use water management to irrigate some, some farms. And I'm like, if people could know that we can do such things with space, maybe they will be less, how can I say, against these activities. But again, I think that we should discuss about space tourism and even tourism in general. I'm impressed by how your scientific work obviously asks important moral questions about the moral use of science to make things better. Yeah, because again... We cannot cut ourselves from the general public. I think that that outreach work is really important, and I thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast, a podcast series produced by Villa Albertine and Paradiso Media and hosted by Rachel Donadio. 
If you want to learn more about the residents of Villa Albertine, listen to it wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our channel, States. And if you liked it, leave a rating and spread the word. You can also follow us on social media and click on the link in the description of the episode. 